Now relax. Drive all thoughts from your mind. Concentrate. Concentrate. So exactly how often do you hear people lament about the Singaporean education system? There is no doubt that we have one of the best education systems in the world. Our students excel internationally in mathematics, reading and science. But critics have often said that the way we have trained our children to think leaves little room for creativity and innovation. As products of that system, myself and the other members of the Gin and Tonic team have definitely felt the constraints and limitations of conforming to the rather structured education system we have here in Singapore. From learning techniques like repetition, to memorizing key words just to score in exams, we're often left thinking, is the most efficient way of scoring a good grade really the best way to learn? What then is the plight of creativity in the classroom? These are just some of the questions we are going to be tackling today in the Gin and Tonic podcast. Concentrate. Concentrate. Welcome to the very first episode of the Gin and Tonic podcast, which is made up of Jonathan, Isaac and Nicole, thus Gin. Today we are talking to Isaac about his research, which sparked the idea for this podcast. Isaac, thank you for coming on the pod. And thanks for having me. Feels good to get things started. Maybe we can talk about how this project came to be in the first place. For those of you who missed episode zero, Isaac and I met over lunch and we talked about our research, uh, which we had done for our final year project and Isaac's thesis really piqued my interest. It amazed me at how it could affect our daily lives so intimately. The curiosity that I had is something that I felt many people would understand and resonate with. So I pitched the idea of running a podcast showcasing topics and their applications, which led to Isaac being our first episode uh, talking about his study of psychology. Right, yeah. So uh, I remember, I actually remember that... Um I guess it's that salted egg chicken. If anybody needs a recommendation, it's on the third floor of uh, Simlim Square. Um, completely not sponsored, by the way. <laughs> I should get into sponsors. Maybe, maybe. Maybe big, right? Yeah. yeah. So yeah, uh, when Isaac explained his thesis to me, it, it was uh, talking about a lot. It narrowed in a lot on the idea of creativity and how that can shape outcomes in schools. Uh, so... I think some of us will have some abstract idea of what creativity is or some preconceived idea of what creativity is. But from the psychologist's uh, standpoint, Isaac, what mm -hmm. is creativity? Right. So most definitions of creativity look at two main um, qualities. All right. The first is originality, something that's uh, new, something that's novel, something that's, uh, yeah, that's surprising, I guess. Right. Uh, and I think everybody thinks about that when they think about creativity, you know? Something that's never been heard of or seen before, 
right? But um, there's also another aspect to creativity, which is um, effectiveness. How uh, effective is an idea, right? So to demonstrate um, this particular thing, um, this particular thing, uh, this particular concept, right? Uh, let's talk about um, a simple problem, right? Let's say I have sure. a stuck uh, pickle jar, yeah. right? And I ask you, oh, Jonathan, can you help me open the pickle jar, right? Mm. What, what would you do? Uh, so I would first try and grip it really tight and then twist. Right. Does that work? Yeah. So it's, it's, a, scenario kind of, it's a scenario kind of thing. Do, yeah. When I twist it with a heavy grip, does it work? I, I guess it works. Yeah, yeah, it okay. works. Yeah. Um, what about like with a towel? Oh, no, what I meant was uh, you can give. What I meant was uh, I'm going to give. We're going to like role play. It's like I grip it really tight and open it. You can decide whether it opens or doesn't open. Right. Okay, sure, sure. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds good. So then I can come up with as many like creative ideas as possible. Okay. So yeah, right. first one, I grip them really tight and try and twist. Mm-hmm. Does it open? Yeah. Uh, no, it doesn't open. Okay. I grab a towel and I grip it to get more grip, and then I twist. Does it open? Man, if it, I I thought of all these ideas, man, you gotta be more. Come on, yeah. Um, <laughs> how about I put the cap in some hot water so that the metal expands, and then it, the tolerance gets bigger, and then I can like twist and. And that's why that you're work? an engineering student, and I'm a psychology student. But yeah, I guess I guess that would work. Yeah. I guess that would work. Okay. Yeah. So that's a, that's a unique idea. That's an interesting idea, right? That's something that's unique and it works. So it's um it's a cre- you could say that it's a creative solution, right? It's effective and it's original. Uh, but let's say something that is effective. Sorry, something that is original but not effective, right? Let's say you ask me to open a pickle jar, and let's say I'm not. I'm not very uh, science based. I'm just like, oh my god, this is so frustrating, and I just throw it off the, I throw it off the building, right? Yeah, giving in to that caveman <laughs> instinct, right? <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it it opens the jar, right? You true. Get, you true. get your pickles, but very true. You get your pickles all dirtied on the floor as well. You don't mm. get the jar anymore. Yeah, it's something that's original, but it's not effective in in this particular scenario in solving this solution. Right. Right. And. So another way to think about this is to think about it in terms of what kind of uh, what what goes in the what goes on in the mind of somebody who's being creative, right? Hmm. So there are two types of processes that actually go on in uh, a person's brain, right? Right. So these are divergent thinking and convergent thinking. I see. Yeah. So imagine that we go down to Adam Road Hawker Center, yep. right? And you say, oh, right. Yes. There's so many. I'm. Sorry, like I ask you, like, oh, what should we eat? You know, and you give me, oh, um, there's prawn noodles, there's a, uh, there's a uh, nasi lemak. Mm, oh yeah, that's good, right? Rasa. Yeah, oh, mm. and um, we're always talking about food, right? Yeah, we are, we are. Mm. <laughs> yeah, um, there's prawn noodles. There's uh, tau kwe teow. There is the best drink store in Adam Road Food Center called Taj Mahal. I only ever drink order drinks from there. Oh yeah, but other stuff you got really good misoto, mirabus. Uh, to get yeah, uh, everybody's gonna think that we're sponsored by these these food stalls, <laughs> right? yeah. or kambing soup. <laughs> yeah, so go on. Yeah, so you know you come up with all these different ideas, yep. but um, 
what and that's divergent thinking right you're thinking right. of all these different um possible solutions to this one question what should we eat for lunch right right and but none of them are really effective because you know we're just stuck in this dilemma of, of course like, what should we eat right? yeah yeah and yeah, so yeah. i come down to this um so let me uh let's say i come up with this particular sure um thought process i say oh okay um well you're having a sore throat so we shouldn't eat anything fried mm. okay i don't really i feel like a vegetarian today i don't feel like eating any meat okay yep. so we should eat carrot cake today mm. but there's lard in carrot cake oh my gosh uh i, I mean okay I'm, we're good we're just gonna get like the avocado <laughs> gula malaka shakes uh, okay and that's it, all we're eating yeah is that really eating <laughs> <laughs> yeah but but you get the idea right yeah i get it like for me, I'm trying to come up with the the one best uh idea to the solution. Uh, sorry, one best solution to the problem of uh, what should we eat for lunch? Yeah, right. Yep. And that's uh convergent thinking. I'm trying to think of the best idea, the best solution, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that's what happens. Yeah, uh, you could liken it to answering an MCQ question, right? Whereas, yeah, um, that convergent uh, divergent thinking might be coming up with a creative story, right? Yeah, creative right. writing. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Ooh, throwback to the days of taking O levels and uh, having all those questions in, in uh, yeah. paper one. <laughs> Everybody's, uh, well, I mean, O levels just passed uh, a few oh, yeah. weeks ago. That's right, that's right. Yeah, so um, I hope everybody did well for it. Yeah, if, I hope uh, so. you happen to be listening. Mm, <laughs> hopefully the the divergent thinking was on point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so now that you've explained to me what creativity is from the perspective of a psychologist, mm-hmm. what are the metrics that a psychologist would use to measure creativity in individuals how do you measure how creative somebody is right so there's one way of doing it uh, of measuring divergent thinking it's actually um, quite a simple test called the alternative users test right right so I guess the best way to explain what this is is through a demonstration hmm. so I'll yeah I'll do you mind if I test you? Actually, of course not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. I, I don't mind at all. I, yeah. I'll be a guinea pig. All right, sure. Sounds good. And uh, I guess if anybody's listening in, uh, you guys can join in as well. I'll give you guys the instructions. Okay. So, Jonathan, what's going to happen is that um, I'm going to give you an object. Okay. Okay. And you are going to give me six different users for this object. Sure. Okay. So this object uh, is. Is a- this going to be timed or anything? Uh, usually it's time But um, Yeah I'll give you a minute Sure I'm sure you can do it Within a minute all right? Okay yeah and Challenge Right so For those of you Who are listening in uh, After I give the object You can pause this podcast For a while And come up with Six different items uh, Sorry Six different users For this item Within the span of one minute Alright Okay So are you ready Jonathan As ready as I'll ever be Alright Okay So um, oh wait We need to tell the audience To pause Alright yeah No no I'll, I'll give the object first Oh okay sure first. Yeah 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 Alright so Let me see The object I would give to you today Is A bottle And For the rest of the audience We're gonna pause And we're back I And guess. we're back And I guess I will do the exercise now Alright So okay. the answer was A bottle Can I know whether It was like uh, any, bottles any used material? to fill liquid in Yeah, yeah. Usually Okay right? So um, It's up to you Okay I'm gonna use it as a hammer uh, To knock nails into wood Okay I'm going to use it as a bat To play baseball uh, To Yeah Because it's shaped in, in a bat 
Okay. Um, so I could use it as a knife because it's glass. I knock it on the edge of a table and I have a knife. Uh, sorry. Oh, as a knife. Yeah. Oh, okay. What? What? What did you hear me say? Oh uh, no, I, I'm not sure. Wait, we're on the clock. We have a minute. All right. Okay. Um, sure. I'm going to use the whole of the bottle, uh, to make cookies as a cookie cutter. Oh, okay. So like the circle is gonna press into dough, and then I get like nice shaped cookies. Oh, um, okay. Uh, what else can I do? What else can I do? Oh, rolling pin for dough. Oh, okay. So like before I I use it to to make my cookies, I'm gonna roll out the dough. Yeah. Um. Yeah, yeah but before all of that, I'm gonna drink wine out of it. <laughs> all right. Okay. So um, we've got your six um. Users, right? So, hammer to knock nails, a bat to play baseball. Yep. Not sure how effective that would be, but yeah, it's, it's still something. Um, a knife to cut things up. Yeah, that's right. If, okay. I, if I'm if i in a pinch and I need... If I'm like... Imagine Castaway and I find uh, like vines that I want to cut up and turn into rope. I just break <laughs> my bottle and like I just... Yeah, yeah exactly. Right. It's, it's interesting. Nothing um, sinister. Cookie. Is it... <laughs> All right. Okay. I. I. Oh. I mean. I see a bottle in the the corner over there. But um. Well. Let's not. Let's not look at it right now. Right. <laughs> um. Cookie cutter. Super interesting. Actually. Uh. Rolling pin and uh to drink wine out of. Right. Yeah. Okay. So thank you very much. So what happens? Uh. For example, in the lab is that we will give somebody um a questionnaire and ask them to fill right. up these um six users in as a short a span as they can. Mm-hmm. If they don't come up with six different users that's fine as well yeah right so we'll take all these responses and we will uh, grade them on four different criteria I see so the first one is fluency or the number of uh, users that you can think of alternative users that you can think of right so you manage to get six alternative users you get six points for that great um, we look at originality or how unusual those users are so this is actually one of the items that I've used in a, a previous test. Right. And um, while I don't have other, I don't have the specific numbers for you, but usually mm-hmm. we take the top five percent of responses. I see. So it's almost in like yeah, it's like statistically yeah. So you, I was you, one. I in my head I was wondering, what are you benchmarking the originality to? <laughs> yeah. So um, one way that we we grade it on is to see how many how many people have given that particular answer. I see. Right. So the top five percent of uh, responses will get uh one point, and the top one percent of answers get two points. Right. Right. So let's say you're the only person in a group of a hundred that says um you can use it as a cookie cutter. Right. That's definitely very original. We'll give you two points for that. Thanks. Right. Um. Yeah. Let's say rolling pin. About five people in that hundred um come up with it. We'll yeah. give you one point for it. Okay. Yeah. So the third criteria that we look at is flexibility. Um, or how many categories can we slot these ideas into? I see. So Oh, I see I came up with a couple quite a number of tools. Yeah, right. So hammer, knife, um they come as tools, right? Yeah. Um cookie cutter and rolling pin could technically be considered as uh cooking utensils as well. Yeah. So that could be another category. Right. Um, the bat seems like a, a sports thing so that could be a, a third category I see and the fourth category could be um, you know something like uh, consumption yeah for, for consumption I guess yep, yep, yeah. yep. so that could be four categories and as long as we um, categorize them um, evenly yep. throughout everybody's responses then yeah so yeah as long as we sorry I have no idea where I was going with that no not, not at all take your time right 
So as long as we consistently categorize everybody's responses, then we have an objective measure of um, how flexible everybody is. Right. Yeah. And the fourth, the fourth criteria that we actually look at is elaboration. So actually, when you were talking to me, you actually gave me a lot of detail about um, what each response was going to be like. Yeah. So usually I give about one point if you tell me, for example, um, how you're going to use it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I give another point if you gave me extra elaboration, right. extra details. Yeah. So for example, when you told me about the cookie cutter, right? Yeah, using the rim of the glass to... Yeah, so I would give you mm. one point for that because you told me how to use it. Right. And then uh, I would give you an extra extra point if you gave me extra details about how you would, you know, um, cut it through and form the shapes right. and, and, you know, take it out and bake. Yeah, you yeah. Know, that's a lot of extra details. Mm. So I would give you an extra point for that. So that would be two points. Nice. Right. So what we do is that we compile these different scores and we come up with a, with a number. Right. And this number doesn't tell you how creative you are. Of course. Right. So what we do is we compare it across uh, other people as well. Mm. And we take all these different responses. I see. Yeah. So, and what what we often do in psychology is actually we uh, we take a look at uh, other measures, right? <clears throat> so let's say, for example, I want to test... Let me let me let me say something a bit ridiculous. Uh, well, I mean, we keep talking about food, right? Uh, let's say I I have this hypothesis that uh, ice kacang makes you more creative. Hmm. Right. I oh, wish. so then you would would you do the test in the absence of ice kacang and then in the presence of ice kacang? Yeah, exactly. Ah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So okay. let's say I get a hundred uh a hundred random people. Yeah. I give fifty percent of them uh fifty of them um ice kacang. I don't give the other 50% ice kacang. Right. Right? And uh, I give the alternative user test to all of them. Hmm. And if the 50 who had ice kacang uh, are significantly more, you know... Um, creative. creative then then you would the, have a statistical significance that, that says that ice kacang makes people more... A, a, a thought popped up into my head. Because uh, I think going through the Singapore education system, it involves a lot of rote learning memorization Mm -hmm. even to the point of like if you don't write down this specific word within your answer you get no marks right yeah doesn't that sort of like not involve any creativity at all because like for convergent thinking it's from many answers into the best but that exercise is not done when you're just told what the answer is well actually um just to just to correct you a little bit on that right convergent thinking is the thought process right but what is required for convergent thinking right is actually knowledge right right okay yeah 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 Yeah. so so the basis like like in order for you to to understand what's the best solution you need to know um you know you need to know what's the some of the content what's what are some of the theories what are some of the basis for um certain things Right, I see. Yeah, yeah. So, like for uh, for example, like my pickle, my pickle jar analogy. Yeah, I would only know that putting the lid in hot water would work because I knew about how metals are better conductor than glass, and therefore would expand first before the glass would. Sorry, that like flew over <laughs> your head totally. Um, but yeah, my by my knowledge of of the physics mm-hmm. uh, of thermodynamics. Uh, that then allowed me to apply the right solution to open the pickle jar. Right. 
uh, I understood half of that. But, but yeah, yeah, no, no, exactly. Yeah, like like you need um the point is that you need the knowledge of uh those theories in order for you, yeah, you need the knowledge of those theories in order for you to actually come up come up with a solution. Right. Right. So that's that's what convergent thing is all about. It's about coming up with the best solution and um, knowledge is definitely necessary for that. So there is so you're saying what you're saying is that there is a place for memorization and rote learning. In creativity? Yeah. Yeah, definitely for sure. Um I think a lot of people think that um give a lot of flack to the give a lot of um well, they curse and swear and complain just like any typical Singaporean. I mean, it is our national duty as Singaporeans mm. to like, you know, complain about every single thing. Yes. Right? So it includes, um, you know, our education system. Oh, we're not being creative and things. But um, based on everything that I've just talked about creativity, um, some of you might actually pick up that this is important. What we do in school is important for creativity. Right? So one way of understanding... Um, or like categorizing thinking skills, right? Is through uh, Bloom's taxonomy, right? So what Bloom's that's taxonomy? That's a big word. <laughs> <laughs> Bloom's taxonomy is basically a hierarchy of thought processes. Okay, so a pyramid. Right? Yeah, a pyramid exactly. Yeah. So at the base, right, are some of the uh, most basic, important um, processes well, processes that go on in the brain. Yeah, and as you go further up. Those requ- um the 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 processes that are at the top require the processes at the bottom. For I you see. To, so to it's action. like you can't have anything at the top if you don't have the foundation. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So right at the bottom, you have um, remember. Right? right. You need to be able to remember something in order for you to even do anything. Mm. Right. Um, a lot of people don't realize this, but memory, right, is the most important. Um, one of the most important things that we take for granted mm. so often, right? Yeah. Um. Sometimes you know, you see somebody or like an old person with uh, dementia, mm. and <clears throat> it's such a it's such a frightening thing to be able to not remember, like let's say something from five minutes ago. Yeah. Right. Like something that could be so important mm. to you. I I guess that thought that thought comes the thought that comes to mind is like when you have many things you could do with a boiling pot that you grow up learning or like if you learn in the kitchen with your mom that mm-hmm. a watch pot never boils. Yeah. So you just leave the lid on and not touch it. So that that sort of like removes one of the options. Exactly. But then all of those things come through experience. Mm-hmm. All in the same way like you would never touch a, bo- a pot on the stove because you've been burned once before. So that experience and remembrance yeah. sort of like says, no, I'm not going to do that. Exactly. Okay. It, it, it forms the fundamental part of who we are. Right. right. Yeah. If we, I mean, the fact that we've evolved so much partially comes from the fact that we are able to remember something. Mm. You know? um, the idea that goldfish have a uh, memory of three seconds right? <laughs> versus, well, I mean, some people have a memory of three seconds. I, <laughs> mm, I have met people like that. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, I mean, but yeah, memory is, is, is super important when you can remember, let's say, for example, um, what a predator is going to do hmm. or that like, oh, if I see a cheetah and the cheetah likes to eat me, I'm naturally not going to go near it. Yeah. Right. Yep, yep. Uh, yeah. So memorization, remembering is actually one of the most important uh, thought processes. I see. Right? And what are the other tiers? Or what are the other processes that would not? Uh, let, let's talk about the higher processes. Okay, sure. What would not be possible if we don't have remembering? All right. So, um, well, spoiler alert, at the top is creative, creating things, all I right? See. But let's not talk about that yet, yeah. okay? Let's talk about 
application, all right? So uh, after remembering, right, you require to un you're required to understand something. And then uh, at the third layer, right, is application, applying right. um, some of these ideas, right, right? Right. So let's say I want to apply the pickle jar. Um, yep. uh, what's this called? Um, the, the, the pickle jar... Uh, in hot the in hot water, in hot water, yeah. hot water thing, yeah, right. If I cannot remember, uh, let's not even talk about the theory. If I cannot even remember that you it, doing that before, right. yeah, I wouldn't be able to do such a thing, right? Uh, I wouldn't be able to apply that solution to to my own pickle job mm. problems, right? And um, if I didn't understand how that worked as well, or if I didn't understand what exactly I did. To open the pickle jar, I would I could for example be putting, um, uh, okay. Let me let me put it this way, right? If I didn't understand that hot water was required to open the pickle jar, then I wouldn't. I would be putting it in all various forms of liquid. Right. I could put it in vodka. I could put it in uh gin. I could yep, put it yep. in uh, tonic water, <laughs> and it wouldn't work. It, w it would only work if I had put it in hot water, right? Right. Yeah. So to apply a solution requires you to remember to understand something mm. before you can apply it. Right. And then um, with the other tiers, okay, after application, applying is uh, to uh, analyze. Um, so if I look back at this and I want to analyze like what worked here, what um, what's going on, um, to understand the theory behind right, this. Right, I see. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's so, it's so interesting because like when you talk about that, everybody talks about thinking outside of the box exactly yeah but oftentimes you can't think outside of the box if you don't already know what the box is or where the bo where the box lies oh that's a beautiful analogy man. <laughs> that's a beautiful analogy yes so it, it really is everybody who's listening perhaps from singapore you don't know what you don't know is a statement that we've all heard before exactly yes so it is it is something it would you say it's something like that it's yeah. It's definitely something I realize. Yeah. Uh, especially if um, when I've done a bit of uh, tuition teaching or <clears throat> um, teaching in a classroom, mm. right? Um, sometimes it's easy enough to think that oh, I want to you know encourage creativity in the classroom. Okay, everyone, I want you to think of um, a unique problem that you have faced in your life, and I want you to find a solution to it. Right. And you leave a question as open as that, as that, right, to a bunch of, uh, let's say, fifteen-year-olds, sixteen-year-olds. They're gonna look at you and stare at you and wonder, what am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to go about this, right? Yeah, like what what metrics would even constitute as like problems in my life? Exactly. What, what standard of problems? How severe are the problems? Where are my which kinds of problems? Yeah, what kind of problems are you talking about? Uh, can it be small problems? Can mm. it be big problems? Like, um, putting something as vague as that would definitely allow somebody to you know come up with all sorts of ideas. But would they be able to come up with the right solutions? Would right, they for sure? Would they even know where to begin? I understand. Yeah, I see yeah. the challenge mm -hmm. for sure. So, oftentimes we need to be able to give them the tools, give them the 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 ability. Um, to know what the parameters are, to know where um, the box is, as you as you have uh, very uh, perfectly uh, analogized or, or very perfectly put together, right? You need to know what the box is in order for you to think out of the box. And when students are, when when you know when students are confident and when students know exactly 
some of the content first then they are able uh, then the next step comes in where you uh, when you ask them to think how exactly do I use this knowledge um, right outside or, or like, like what other applications can I do mm, with this I see it's sort of like telling in, instead of asking an abstract question you give them the what and then you ask them to answer the why you can't just start straight off with the why Yes, they need, they need to know like the what first. Exactly, I, something. Yeah, like yeah, something, something like that. Yeah. yeah. So ultimately, you 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 need the memorization. You need the, uh, well, I wouldn't say rote learning, but you need mm. the memorization. You need the understanding. You need them to understand how to apply some of these theories. Right. Then only after that, you can get them to analyze things. You can yeah. get them to evaluate, uh, this, and then finally you get them to create their own solutions. Mm. So I think perhaps we need to stop beating the horse until it's dead, perhaps, <laughs> in, in terms of like the Singapore education system. But I guess what, I'm, what I am hearing is that um, memorization is important, but if the sentiment is that we, don't, we aren't encouraged to be creative, does that mean that we are not shifting from, from memorization into application and understanding? We only stop at. A instead of going to B and C naturally progressing because of the way we are assessed that's a very interesting thing that you should uh, that you should mention because uh, there's something that I've learned from doing a lot of research especially about creativity hmm. <clears throat> and it's that everybody has different notions about what it's like um, different ideas about for example what an education system should be like right and oftentimes we come across as um, making all these statements without any idea about like what exactly you know what exactly are we asking for right what are what are some of the solutions that we come up uh, can come up with hmm. right and i've realized that this doesn't just apply to creativity this actually applies to a lot of uh, um, various things that we uh, or various topics that we may come across in our lives right, right. so in the case of creativity um it's very easy to say that you know the create um the education system is uh, is broken that it's not encouraging creativity right and therefore and, but as somebody who has learned about creativity my um my shoot back to you uh my counter to anybody who says that is then how do you propose um to solve this problem how do you propose to fix this problem right do you understand what it takes to fix this problem hmm well i <laughs> My first instinct would be to change the way that we mark or the way the way that we assess mm -hmm. uh, metrics of understanding or um, right so learning outcomes. To that, I say, um, the way we uh, um to change that the way we mark, right? Yeah. Then how am I supposed to know whether a student has understood or whether a student has learned a certain um theory or a certain con um concept? So my counter to say the keyword marking scheme would be if a student does misses out on one specific word but is able to explain everything using his own words is that not more valuable than him just citing what has been fed to him? Well, that depends on what we are assessing. I mean, if I'm looking for that particular answer, he phrases it in a slightly different way, but it's the answer that I'm looking for. I would, I would probably give it to him. Mm. Right? And I think that, um, I think, I think, 
the education system is not so strict as to as to eliminate all these forms of answers. I think we are we're accepting uh, if you understand the concept behind it and you're able to phrase it in your own words, that yeah. would be good. I mean, we wouldn't give you additional marks, but right. you know, you've got the got the idea down, hmm. right? Uh, I believe that one of the solutions or one way that we can um, actually solve this problem is to look at how can we assess creativity mm-hmm. uh, objectively in, right. in classrooms, yep. right? Uh, what are some creative assessments that we can we can come up with within our curriculum? And can we actually, um, you know, are there, are there ways of uh, actually, um, you know, merging this together with what um, that's the, the ways of assessment that we already know, yeah. right? Um, it's it's not something that I um, that I am really good at. I think it's something that uh, left me thinking after I finished my entire thesis. Mm. Right, I was left with um, you know um, thinking about creativity, thinking about education, but like ultimately, what's what's the next step? Uh, I mean, if I ever get the chance to do um, more research, I would definitely take a look at creative assessment. How exactly can we assess creativity in the classroom? Mm-hmm. But uh, I guess that's for another time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I guess to end our time off, we can have a bit of uh, back and forth in terms of like questions that I had and you can respond. Oh, sure. Uh, and then perhaps even if uh, when you say something that, that uh, takes me by surprise, I might, I might return another question back at you. Sure, sounds um, good. So my first question is with regards to like the rigidity of the classroom. Um, okay. Do teachers have, in in your opinion, or rather in in your time uh, studying both teachers and students in your FYP, um, did teachers have a preconceived idea of what success already was in the classroom, such that it clamps down on creativity? I think um, success is a is a very vague word, right? Sure. Um, <clears throat> I like to I like to be a bit more specific on that, right? So I guess. Teachers have certain objectives or certain goals that they are they kind of beholden to, mm. right? Uh, as much as we want to say that we are here for learning, at the same time, teachers also have a goal towards um preparing students, for example, for national exams, yeah. right? In order to get them to advance further, right? Um, that definitely holds down on teachers. I would I would um I would think, if we're looking at creativity itself, right? Do teachers have a preconceived um do we, teachers have a prior idea um, sort of like biases against mm. uh, creativity I would say definitely alright um, yeah. <clears throat> and this is actually one of the ideas of my thesis which is that um, teachers actually prefer create uh, non-creative students to right. creative students yep. and one of the reasons why this happened um, I believe is because teachers actually you know they have certain lesson objectives, there's certain lesson goals that they want to achieve, right? And creative students in nature happen to be those that, um, you know, might branch out, might think of all sorts of different ideas, might, you know, um, the lesson can go in all different directions and it's hard to clamp back down onto that, that right. particular objective that yeah. you're trying to, to achieve. Yeah. And, and I can understand why, like, they would prefer an uncreative student because what comes to mind when what comes to my mind when I think of a creative student is the one that always asks like it's like the annoying five year old that's asking you but why but why <laughs> but why or like a five year old goes on a, a rant or like a a full imaginative rant for like five minutes talking about all their imaginary world right so I mean um, 
it's interesting because uh, we we actually do have a list of um, uh, of traits that are indicative of creative students, mm. and those include um, uh, students that tend to be a bit more emotional to the students that tend to be a bit more um, um, that doesn't like to um, more subdued of, in their character or or like no, a, actually not like uh, those that might be a bit more um, for example defiant. Oh, uh, I see. Yeah, right, those right. that might be a bit more um, independent actually in their thinking. I see. Right? Yeah, um, yeah, just independent students, mm. whereas uh, students that are uh, ten sorry. Um, when I when I say all these traits, right? I just, I don't want to make um. I I think I need to say this. I I'm not trying to make a um. I'm not trying to put a label yep. on creative students or uncreative students. Mm. These are just traits that are generally indicative. Yeah. Right. A creative student can can still have um traits of non-creative students, mm. but uh in general, just just talking in terms of like um, if we take like a hundred students, maybe yep. this is most likely the case. I see. Right. Yeah. Um. So some traits that are indicative of creative students include students that are individualistic, students that um, experience deep emotions, mm. uh, students that uh, prefer ambiguity, and students that be- could be uh, impulsive. Right. right. And traits that are indicative of students that are less creative right, uh, include traits such as uh, responsible, um, dependable, students that prefer routines and consistency right um, students that may be methodical or conventional right these are students that uh, might be indicated um, you know there are these are traits that are more present in less creative students mm. and I guess disclaimer this is a generalization that like not all creative students are are a certain way in the same way that uh, in the same way that non-creative students are not all like this it's just certain traits which Sort of suggest that a student might be creative or exactly less yeah. creative. These are these are these are traits that tend to be you know if we take the prototypical creative mm. student and a prototypical non-creative student, right? L- less creative student, right? Um, these might be traits that are probably what they would display. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I I can totally understand why teachers would have a general disposition to uncreative students because you I mean even just going by the words you mentioned, responsible. Dependable, conforming. Exactly. So I mean, some of these students might be looking out for what the teacher wants, right? And um, going back to convergent divergent thinking, right? Yeah. Um, if you are trying to um, you know, um, get what the teachers want, yeah, get the right answer, right? Mm. Like look for the right answer within the classroom, mm-hmm. right? I mean, then that would be a bit more convergent thinking, right? right? And while that's important, if you are completely. Um, discarding divergent thinking and you're not thinking out of the box mm-hmm. um, that could be you know an indication of why you are slightly less creative right compared to someone who might be you know more keen on exploring different pathways on, mm-hmm. on you know thinking out of the box thinking of all sorts of different possibilities yeah right so there's a there's a fine balance here that needs to be struck in terms of um, you know letting your um, students explore and also trying to rein them in as well I see so I mean, the whole idea is that this is one of those um, preconceptions right. that teachers have of uh, creative and non-creative students, and it's not explicit. Um, I don't think that teachers intentionally say that. Oh, I don't want these uh, mm. students in my class. It right. just happens to, you know, based on um, the objectives that they need to th- they need to meet and some of the um, and the way that some of these students may behave in the class. Right. There's uh there's definitely. 
um, a place for it. I see. And perhaps sometimes in the classroom, in the lesson, maybe right. that's not the right place and right, not the right time. Of course. Um, but the, so the next question I had was with regards to the the separation between the science and the arts, mm-hmm. um, namely how the science can be very rigid that there is like a fixed answer to to things ah, whereas that's... for the arts it's sort of like up to interpretation in fact like like an example that I cite is when they when the author is saying in literature at least the author says that there's a blue sky and there's a blue blanket and the correct answer that is on the rubric okay is that the author was feeling sad but oftentimes we don't even know what the author in the context of writing that that scene was it could have just been the sky is blue <laughs> the blanket is blue a so, literal interpretation yeah but i mean i i'm saying that if if there if you apply the same kind of rigid answers along with like things like keywords then it makes it seem like it is rigid as well so perhaps it could even hamper the the study of the arts because the arts are meant to be explorative uh, in the same way that science is but like when science has a definite answer it's sort of like definite right so that's um let me let me break down some of your biases sure. in your question actually yes, yes. because i actually realized that um well i mean you asked previously that um teachers had um certain preconceptions of creativity yeah. right all of us do and I, yeah. and I and i actually saw a lot of that in your question right <laughs> i mean like let me let me um let me ask you first of all like why do you think the sciences are rigid so, for example, like when it comes to the speed of light, where there's a constant or known constant, okay. any answer out of the constant would be wrong. Your answers that come out of using a wrong constant, say, for example, in your in your physics exam, you are trying to use the gravity constant of of the Earth, and that's nine point eight one continuous. Okay. But if you use 9.9, you would get a different answer from 9.81. Therefore, your calculations will be off, right? All right. Okay. Um, and you think this doesn't apply for the arts? Do you think the arts doesn't have rigid facts or rigid, um, you know, certain rules about it? No. So, for example, like when it comes to history, of course, it's extremely rigid. But um, I was talking more about things like literature writing poetry what makes good what makes a good book and are there certain rules that define what um not define but like you know that um teach us how why why a certain piece of writing is is good over another let, let me um sure like why is romeo and juliet a classic why is shakespeare considered a genius mm. things like that I would say, like, how do we analyze? Um, what are what are some literary techniques that we look for? Um, like the instruments that the literary instruments. Correct. Yeah. Uh, like. Yeah. You know, similes. like like um analogies mm. or um imagery. Yeah. You know, these are some. Um, you or know. like onomatopoeia and things like that. Yeah. Those. I agree that there are. Okay. Yeah, I see. I see what you mean. So, like, there's like, yeah, exactly. I mean, like, why is the sciences seen as something that's rigid and something, and the arts seen as something that's flexible? Hmm. When in fact, um, I feel. I mean, I feel like that's um, that's a certain bias that's that's coming out. Right. right. Like, you have certain frameworks. True, you have certain obje- Um, you have certain solid objective facts in science. Right. Yeah. Like, I guess you can say that the speed of light is, um. Three hundred. Sorry. Um. 
about this whatever the speed of light is right <laughs> yeah uh whereas you could say that um you know uh romeo and juliet was written by uh um, william shakespeare right but how do you apply that like what's what goes on beyond that right how do you apply the speed of light to let's say an equation to find out um uh the energy from a, a radio like uh, energy of radiation the energy of radiation yeah e equals mc squared right mm. famous um einstein einstein equation right yeah and i think like um we don't realize this because at a certain level we're still trying to memorize and trying to understand certain facts about you know science but you know science is science can be creative as well right um and I think I think it um maybe it applies at a higher level, but definitely it isn't inaccessible to anybody as well. True. Right. Uh, I mean, you study um you did biological engineering, right? Biomedical. Biomedical yeah. engineering. Sorry. Right. So I mean, what are the different ways? Let me let me try this. Uh, what are some of the different ways that um a lung like like let's say um a person has breathing problems, right? Yeah. What are some of the different problems that might come up from this? So there could be fluid in their lungs. Okay. They could have damage to the alveoli, which is the the sacs which okay. expand and contract. Mm-hmm. They could have a puncture in their lung, okay. which causes a pressure difference, or rather nullifies the pressure difference within the thoracic cavity, which causes it to collapse and you can't breathe. L- losing me here, right? <laughs> but I, I, I think I get the idea. So uh, many different factors. You could have significant cell death such that uh, the exchange of gases cannot occur. All right. Things like that. And for any one of these problems, could you come up with, you know, is there one solid solution to the problem? No, of course not. I, I mean, get your point. Yeah, right. You get you get the idea. I get the point. Right? Yeah. I mean, um, I think I think this is a preconception. I mean, yeah. this just one of the preconceptions of, of creativity. Hmm. And... Of course, with anything, right? We we should first acknowledge that you know these things exist before we yeah. start to break them down. Before we start to question and try try and understand, like what exactly is creativity? Does it apply to the sciences? Yeah. Um, is it uh, an arts exclusive thing? Right. Right. Just because um, arts in nature tends to be a little bit more um, you know abstract uh, in terms of thought. Um, but do we um like I said earlier, right? Do we um, do we criticize this because we don't understand what the arts is about? Do we um do we think that science is a little bit more accessible to us right. and the arts is a bit more inaccessible and that's why we make these presumptions? Actually, that 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 brings an interesting thought because when I was talking about science being rigid, it is science as we learn it in in secondary school and junior mm-hmm. college, where we aren't told about the bleeding edge, okay. where the bleeding edge is constantly pushing into boundaries unknown mm-hmm. especially into a topic that I, I like learning about uh, tissue engineering where we don't even know the full interaction of ourselves with one another okay um, and yeah I guess in the pursuit of exploration there requires therein requires creativity to to think of how hypothesize how things might be Mm-hmm. And then double checking whether they are, right? Like, as such, I think I think ultimately, um, having understood everything from creativity, um, I feel that the way that we teach it 
mm. is very important because um, it's not so much about some of the processes that yeah. happen. I realize, like, I mean, I learn about all these processes. I learn about all these biases that happen. I learn about, um, you know, how some of these motivations, biases, they can all interact. But ultimately, what's the culture and what's the mindset behind creativity? Right. Um, how do people view it? And, you know, does this um, perception actually change the way, um, you know, in a, in a sort of like a, a, a self-affecting cycle? Mm. Is the way that we think about it actually affecting our own creativity yeah. and therefore, you know, putting us in a loop? Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's, that's my thoughts on, on all of this, actually. Yeah, so with that, thank you so much for, for being on the show. I think having a pair of outside eyes look at my biases is something that is extremely exposing to myself because I, I think each of us living in our own perception of life, we ourselves don't sometimes or most of the time don't see our biases until somebody points them out. Yeah. So the fact that uh, the fact that you came, you were able to to do that is something that I I feel challenges the way I think about things. I think, and hopefully, it it challenges the way our audience sees things as well. Exactly, and I think I think that's um one of the key points about this entire podcast or this entire podcast series that we want to make. Um, the more that you know, the more that you start to challenge some of these assumptions that you 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 think about um different fields, and hopefully, we can bring in people from all sorts of life in order to you know break down um to, to to break down what we what we feel about um all these different situations and to be able to just learn a little bit more mm, exactly um yeah so thank you once again uh for joining us for the first the pilot episode of gin and tonic um my name is jonathan and my name's isaac and we make up two-thirds of gin uh nicole is is currently uh in the uk uh, and hopefully we'll be able to get her to join us soon. Um, but in the meantime, Isaac, thank you for being on the show. And thank you so much uh, for having me, man. Well, yeah. I'm, we'll definitely see more of you. <laughs> uh, but hopefully right. as, as time goes on, um, we'll be able to understand creativity better and perhaps bring you back on to talk about it. I hope I hope to come back soon as well. I mean, I, I will be here as an interviewer, but like, I hope to talk a little bit more about like everything that I've learned. It's, I... Yeah. I deeply look forward to it and i hope to share our conversations with everybody else. Yeah. yeah we'll catch you in the next one but until then stay safe and thank you for listening to this episode of the gin and tonic podcast a very special thank you goes out to veritas music and gust um, for letting us use their track concentrate their links to their Spotify and YouTube can be found in the description. Drive all thoughts in your mind. Concentrate. Concentrate. Concentrate.